Hey, well, good morning. Well, it's very quiet being Bank Holiday Monday, uh, Bank Holiday Weekend, isn't it? Wow. But hey, we're here, and God's with us. Okay, um, if you have a Bible, you can open it uh, to uh, Acts. We're going to start uh, Acts chapter 6. It's a fairly long passage this morning, but we are, we're working our, our way through different parts of Acts over the next few weeks and months. And uh, this morning, we're looking at Acts chapter 6. From verse 8. And we're going to be kind of dipping into that part of chapter 6, into chapter 7, and a little bit into chapter 8. But don't worry, we're not going to read it all. You'll be pleased to know. Let's just pray before we start. Father, thank you. You are good. Thank you that you are love. Thank you that you do love us. And thank you that in your love you have given us your word. It tells us that you love us. And by the Spirit, we get to experience and encounter that love. And we pray, would you um, open our eyes afresh this morning to what you have to say to us uh, in your word, so that we might be built up, uh, encouraged, stirred, revived, touched, uh, and uh, sent out for you. Amen. Amen. Okay, so this morning we are going to be looking at a man called Stephen. And we are going to be looking at, uh, really, the, the moments leading to his death. And uh, he's kind of known as the, the first person, really, to die for the sake of the Christian faith. What, what some people would call a Christian martyr. Someone who's died for their faith, for what they believe. And do you know what? It's not an easy passage to speak on on a lovely, sunny, bank holiday weekend where everyone's in a good mood, the sun's out. It's not an easy passage to speak on for other reasons as well, really. For some of us, we might be reading this for the first time and it will seem very odd. For some of us, we might have read it many, many times and it's almost kind of lost the impact for us that it really does have. For some of us, we will know that this type of thing still happens in parts of the country that we're from. So I'm speaking and really focusing on death this morning, this Sunday morning. And while I'm on this subject, um, did you know that, uh, just to bring you kind of down a little bit further, did you know that 2016 was called the Year of Celebrity Death? Did you know that? No? Okay. Uh, I think maybe 2017 overtook it. Who knows? But um, it was called the year, the year of Celebrity Death. Uh, many famous people seem to die in 2016, they said. I've got my own theory on this, that there's just more celebrities around and we just know what they're up to nowadays with social media. It's not that more of them have died. But there we go. That's what they said. Here are just a few from 2016. Muhammad Ali the greatest, well, one of the greatest boxers of all time, if you're into your boxing. He died at uh, age 74. This is what uh, Barack and Michelle Obama had to say about his death. Muhammad Ali shook up the world, and the world is better for it. David Bowie, musician, singer, artist, died at age 69. Are there any David Bowie fans? 
Yes, I'll get you. I can imagine you were, yeah. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, (laughs) This is a compliment. Uh, David Bowie touched many, many lives with his music uh, and with his uh, singing. He inspired many other musicians and artists. And Paul McCartney, the Beatle, um, said that David Bowie had a huge influence on people all around the world. Okay, what about, so we've had uh, uh, sport, we've had uh, music. uh, What about politics? Well, Nancy Reagan, wife of uh, US President Ronald Reagan, died aged 94 in 2016. And do you know what? She did loads to help young people um, understand the dangers of drugs. She really did. And one tribute to uh, Nancy Reagan was this. She served with unbelievable power, class and grace and left her mark on the world. See, many people would say that these were lives well lived. They made a difference. They had a huge significance. And if we're honest, we really all do want our lives to count, don't we? We maybe we won't be as famous or perhaps have the profile of those people but 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 we we want we want our lives to mean something we want them to be significant well this morning we're going to have a look at Stephen's life and this was some 2000 years earlier than these people it was very different his life was very different his death was very different but it was a life well lived even in death And I want us to look at what can we learn from the life of Stephen. So we're going to start in Acts chapter 6, and we're going to flick around the place, but don't worry, um, the the words will all be on the screen um, if you have trouble flicking from where we're going. So, from 6, 8 to 7, 3. Now, Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed wonders and signs among the people. Opposition arose, however, from members of the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, Jews of Cyrene and Alexandria, as well as the provinces of Sicilia and Asia, who began to argue with Stephen. But they could not stand up against the wisdom the Spirit gave him as he spoke. Then they secretly persuaded some men to say, We heard Stephen speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. So they stirred up the people and the elders and the teachers of the law, they seized Stephen and brought him before the Sanhedrin. They produced false witnesses who testified, this fellow never stopped speaking against this holy place and against the law, for we've heard him say that Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs Moses handed down to us. All who were sitting in the Sanhedrin looked intently at Stephen and they saw his face like the face of an angel. Then the high priest asked Stephen, are these charges true? To this he replied, Brothers and fathers, listen to me. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham while he was still in Mesopotamia, before he lived in Haran. Leave your country and your people, God said, and go to the land I will show you. And then just flicking down to uh, uh, verse 9. Because the patriarchs were jealous of Joseph, they sold him as a slave into Egypt. But God was with him and rescued him from all his troubles. He gave Joseph wisdom and enabled him to gain the goodwill of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. So Pharaoh made him ruler over Egypt and 
all his palace. And then going into verse 30, after 40 years had passed, an angel appeared to Moses in the flames of a burning bush in the desert near Mount Sinai. When he saw this, he was amazed at the sight and he went over to get a closer look and he heard the Lord say, I'm the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. Moses trembled with fear and did not dare to look. Then the Lord said to him, take your sandals off for this place where you're standing is holy ground. I've indeed seen the oppression of my people in Egypt and I've heard their groaning uh, has come uh, I've heard their groaning and have come down to set them free. Now I'll come and send you back to Egypt. This is the same Moses they had rejected with the words, who made you ruler and judge? He was sent to be their ruler and deliverer by God himself and through the angel who appeared to them in the bush. He led them out of Egypt and performed wonders and signs in Egypt at the Red Sea and for 40 years in the wilderness. Okay, uh, I think we'll skip on a little bit uh, to um, verse 45, uh, which says, After receiving the tabernacle, our ancestors under Joshua brought it with them. They took the land from the nations God drove out before them. It remained in the land until the time David provided. Uh, uh, until the time of David who enjoyed God's favour and asked that he might provide a dwelling place for the God of Jacob but it was Solomon who built a house for him however the Most High does not live in houses made by human hands as the prophet says heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool what kind of house will you build for me says the Lord or where will my resting place be has not my hand made all these things you so this is now um, Stephen speaking to them you stiff-necked people your hearts and ears are still uncircumcised you are just like your ancestors you always resist the Holy Spirit was there ever a prophet your ancestors did not persecute they even killed the one who predi- those who predicted the coming of the righteous one and now you have betrayed and murdered him you have received the law that was given through the angels but have not obeyed it When the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed to him, dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out against, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he said this, he fell asleep, and Saul approved of their killing him. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church of Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. Okay, a long passage, but there we go. Four things we're going to learn about Stephen this morning in our, the remainder of our time. He was filled with the Spirit. Very simple. Filled with the Spirit. Stephen was picked out. We, do you remember a few weeks ago as we looked at um, Stephen being one of the men that was picked out of um, a group to uh, help sort the problem of the giving out of food to the widows. And what was their criteria for who they picked? That they had a good repute, they were well respected, and they were full of the Spirit and of wisdom. And we see here 
Stephen, it says, doing great wonders and signs among the people. He, he knew, Stephen knew, I've been, I've been filled with the Spirit and now Jesus wants to do through me the same things that he did when he was on earth to bring healing to people, to bring transformation, to bring freedom, to bring good news. I know it's not from me, I know it's a power within me that, that Jesus has put in me, he's filled me with his Spirit. And it was also in his words as well. Some people opposed him. And it says that they couldn't, they couldn't withstand the wisdom and the spirit of Stephen's words. Now, I don't want you to be sat here thinking, wow, Stephen must have been a clever, special person. Because Jesus said this would be the case. Jesus said in his own words, listen, make, this is from Luke 21, make up your mind to worry, not to worry beforehand how you will defend yourselves, for I will give you words of wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. That's Luke 21, 14 and 15. See, Jesus, through the Spirit, comes and helps us to live the Christian life. And that same Holy Spirit is available to you and I. He's present with you. It's not just, not just for special Christians. Not just for super spiritual Christians. He's here for you and I. And he wants to fill and empower you and me. Do you, do you often rely, do you rely on your own power to live the Christian life? Do you feel inadequate? Do you know what? I, I regularly feel inadequate. I do. Even, even as the kids were giving out these little stars. And the message is, you know, you can just share that, share that good news with that one person. And they're thinking, oh, I feel inadequate. I feel inadequate. But I know, and I must know, and you and I must know that God is with us and empowers us. We need his Holy Spirit. Okay, secondly, he knew the human heart. So he was brought before the council and they'd falsely accused him. They'd accused him of saying things, speaking things against them that were very dear. The temple and the law. The whole, really the whole framework of how they approached and how they lived with God. The temple where sacrifices were made for the sins of the people and the law that had been given to Moses and the people by God in order for them to know how to live with him. See, speaking against these things was considered very serious. And Stephen's not against these things, but he's wanting the people to know that there's a problem that they're not seeing. So he starts with this long speech. So I just want to explain why there is this long speech. And we didn't read all of it, but I'm just going to, I'm just going to help uh, explain why this is. Right, I need two athletic people. Anyone can come? If you are, who's athletic? Right, I need two athletic people. Come on, quickly, quickly. Nev's Nev athletic. There's someone who's... Uh, come on, Sarah, you, you come out then. Yeah. <laughs> just anyone, right, okay. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter. Right. I'm going to put my foot here. Sarah, just stand, just stand here next to it. And I want you to jump as far as you can. A bit like a long jump. Right. Nev, come around this way. So can, can you, without... 
just, just go as far as you can. Oh, okay, right. You can keep a bit there, can't you? Go on, go on, big jump. Yeah, excellent, right, okay, stay there, right, okay, right. Nev, right, you do the same, but could you take a run-up from the chairs? Oh. Go, go, this is your point. Right, okay. <laughs> so, so any long jumper will know that you need a run-up. And the run-up is dead important. In fact, they'll probably practice the run-up as much as they'll practice the jump. You'll get more... You sit down, thank you. See, as you can see, that the person who run, ran fast. This, this is Stephen's speech. He's saying, look... I'll answer you, but I'm going to need to take a run-up at this. I'm going to need to, um, I'm going to, need to take some, uh, some effort into explaining this, or going backwards so that I can tell you the importance of this message. And that's what he's doing here with this very long speech. He says, he says Abraham, God had called out, um, Abraham, to be a father of many nations, to be a father of nations. He says, God was with Joseph, and he used Joseph to rescue the people from the famine. God was with Moses, and he used him to rescue the people out of Egypt and slavery. So God was with Solomon and, and David, who had a passion to build a temple for God. But there was always a sense that, that the people, though, were resisting what God was doing amongst them through this time. They never truly wanted to find their value and their meaning and their identity in their God and his work amongst them. Stephen's saying to them, ever since the days of Abraham, God has been doing something in your midst, but you've looked to other things for your true identity. Even now you're looking to the temple and the law rather than the things that they foreshadow and that oh, they're really about. But let me tell you, it's not just them that that applies to. It's not just an issue for them. We look for our identity in other things as well. And in fact, it gets to the, the heart of what we call sin. sin. See, sin isn't simply breaking some rules. Sin is, is ultimately trying to find and seek out a value, an identity in other things other than God. See, um, one uh, New York uh, church leader, Tim Keller, puts it like this. He says, he uses these examples. He says, in the, in the boxing film Rocky, I've talked about boxing twice now, it's not, I'm not a big boxing fan. In the boxing film Rocky, Rocky's girlfriend asks him, why is it so important for you to achieve in the boxing ring? And his answer is, because then I'll know that I'm not a bum. In English, modern English means, that then I'll know I'm not a loser. Then I'll know I mean something. And again, in Chariots of Fire, um, the film, uh, one of the main characters says why he works so hard to be an Olympic sprinter. He says, I have ten lonely seconds to justify my existence. See, both, where were both these people looking for their meaning and identity? In achievements, yeah. In their sporting achievement. 
They were looking for that to give meaning in their lives. But where do, where do you and I look for ultimate identity, meaning, value? Is it relationships? Is it what we can achieve at work? Is it how many people respond to our Facebook or Instagram posts with a like or a comment? That's quite serious, actually. And and probably more serious than we care to admit. Is it even in the things we think we can do for God? See, this is the heart of sin, rejecting God and seeking fulfillment or satisfaction in other things. Anything else other than him. It's an uncomfortable question, but it's meant to be. But take heart, because my third point is this. Stephen saw a better way. And that was his message. God provided an answer in Jesus Christ. See, when we trust him, when we find our identity and our meaning and our value in him, that's when we find true life. This is what the Apostle John says in 1 John chapter 5. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. It's very, very clear. Look, let's, let's look briefly at this, this moment where they decide to stone Stephen. He has a vision. He gets a glimpse into heaven and sees Jesus at the right hand of God the Father. He says, I see the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. It was Jesus that used that phrase about himself, the Son of Man. And it was a claim. He was claiming that he was the one that would suffer for the sins of the world, that he would take the punishment in our place, and that God would raise him up in victory. That he would be the fulfillment of the temple and all it stood for, that he would be the fulfillment of the law. He would fulfill the law. He would live a perfect life and fulfill all its requirements for you and I. He is the true temple. He has fulfilled the law. He is a better way. In fact, he's the only way. See, you, can, you and I can have confidence in approaching God the Father because God the Son is at his right hand. And on the cross, he has done everything that you and I needed to be made righteous and acceptable. Turn with me just briefly to um, uh, Romans chapter 8 and verse 33. Romans chapter 8 and verse 33. Romans chapter 8 verse 33. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It's God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Listen, he's at the right hand of God the Father, interceding for you and I. He has made a way for us to approach our Father in heaven, as we were singing that song this morning. Finally, he, Stephen believed 
that God was in control. See, the people who stoned Stephen thought that they could remove him and his message by killing him. Actually, it was the exact opposite as we read. Great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem on that day and all except the apostles were scattered around Judea and Samaria. And what does it say they did? Those who were scattered preached the word wherever they went. What they thought would happen, the opposite happened. See, God used Stephen's death. You know, he, he knew that God would... Perhaps, perhaps, you, perhaps you know the, the passage in, uh, in Joseph's life, as, J- as Stephen mentions Joseph, where Joseph is sold into slavery. Uh, Joseph kind of is falsely accused. Joseph ends up in prison. Joseph gets a raw deal. And uh, it, it, at the end of it all, when he's talking with his brothers and with his family... His family that had sold him into slavery it says, You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. See, Stephen would have known this. He would have known this thing about Joseph. So much so that he could pray for those who killed him. Just like Jesus did. Very similar, isn't it? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. In fact, you look at the cross. What people intended to harm, God uses for good, the greatest good. See, we will experience trials and suffering and difficulties, even as we've heard this morning, even as Sue brought that contribution this morning. You know, as Christians, we are not somehow shielded away from difficulties and circumstances and trials and suffering. But because God is sovereign, he is totally in charge. He's not caught out by the circumstances and the difficulties. He's not caught out by illness. He's not caught out by opposition. He's not caught out by trials. See, maybe, maybe you're not facing a death like Stephen. But what you're going through right now feels dead intense. Just, just know that God is in control. Just like, that, just like that thing from the book that Sarah bought. You know, we can't, sometimes we can't go over it. Sometimes we can't go under it. We're going to have to go through these trials because they're in front of us, these difficulties. But know that he is in charge and he is with you. Listen, this is what we're going to end shortly, but this is what Peter says uh, in his uh, first letter. He writes in the New Testament, he writes about going through suffering and trials and that God is in control. And I think this, this is almost like the biblical version of what Sarah bought, uh, although I love that book. Uh, this, is, this is kind of like the, uh, uh, what Peter has to say about it, very similar. In this, you greatly rejoice, though for now a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials, These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory and honour when Jesus Christ 
is revealed. See, I don't, I, I don't take, say this lightly because I know some of the circumstances that we go through right now. I know some of the circumstances that people have been through and the trials and adversary, ad, adversity. But listen, God doesn't take them lightly either. He's more con- and he's more concerned with your faith and you, trying, and, and you finding identity and fulfillment in him. Let's pray as we end. Look, why don't we stand and uh, can I ask the band to come up? This is, such, this is such a long passage. We've only been able to just kind of skirt the surface of it. But I believe God would want to minister to us this morning, just in these uh, few moments. Let's come before him. Jesus, the beloved Son, is at the right hand of God the Father. Today, as much as he was in Stephen's day, he is today. And what do you, what do you need right now? Is it to be filled afresh with the Holy Spirit? Do you know what? Jesus would send his spirit this morning to you. Is it, is it that you're, you're taking that starfish away or, or you're thinking about who you might invite to Life Plus and you're thinking, I need your spirit to be with me, to empower me. Listen, he sends the spirit afresh to you this morning. Receive the spirit afresh today. And is, it to, is it to know afresh that you find your identity in him and that he has made you acceptable and clean and holy before God? Listen, perhaps you just need to know that this morning. You, you, you sense just uh, um, whispers, lies that would tell you otherwise. Perhaps you just need to know that Jesus has done it all for you. He would want you to know that this morning from heaven. Or perhaps it's that you need to know that he's in control in the midst of your circumstances or difficulties. You know what you're going through. I know some of the things that people are going through, but you know what you're going through. And God knows what you're going through. The Father knows and he loves you and the Son is at his right hand interceding for you. He's in charge. He's not thrown off by your, the things going on in your life. He loves you and cares for you and through, even through circumstances we don't understand, he's refining faith in you helping you to find even more your identity in him 
to find satisfaction and fulfillment in him. Receive whatever you need to receive this morning. Receive it now. Come in faith before God. And keep coming as we sing this final song. Keep coming in worship, in adoration, as we sing our worship. Keep coming. Keep coming with your prayers. Keep coming with your thankfulness as we sing this song together.